It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Friday, which means uh, we're going to have a musical guest during the third half of our three-hour tour. Uh, A little different today. Uh, Our guest uh, during that hour is um, Matt Wilson, the author of a new book called Hooks. Lessons on Performance, Business, and Life from a Working Musician. And we'll talk with Matt a little bit about his music, a little bit about the book, and uh, all of that. We'll hear some music from uh, Matt Wilson's band. That's coming up uh, during the third half of our three-hour tour. But tomorrow marks the 20th anniversary of the uh, attack that brought down the uh, World Trade Center Twin Towers in New York and uh, saw a plane crash into the Pentagon building and a uh, third fourth plane actually there were two that crashed into the World Trade Center and one into the Pentagon there was a fourth plane that went down in Shanksville Pennsylvania because of the heroic efforts of uh, some of the passengers and coming up in just a couple of minutes we're going to talk with uh, best-selling author James Reston Jr. He's uh, just recently released a book uh, called uh, The 19th Hijacker. 
a novel of 9-11, but he also wrote a very uh, insightful uh, article with some information that probably hasn't been shared before um, for American Heritage. And the uh, article is called Remembering Flight 93, OK, Let's Roll, which were those uh, the, the last words of the uh, passengers that subdued the um, hijackers and uh, attempted to get into the cockpit before the plane uh, crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Anyway, we're going to talk with James about that. But then we're also, uh, in honor of the 20th anniversary of September 11th, we're going to talk with Karen Greenberg. She's director of the Center on National Security at Fordham Law, an international studies fellow at New America, and a permanent member of the Council on Foreign Relations, the author of several books. But she has a new book um, called Subtle Tools, the Dismantling of American Democracy from the War on Terror to Donald Trump. And we'll talk with her about how things have changed um, in the 20 years since September 11th. I know tomorrow there will be a lot of uh, commemorative specials and, and remembrances from a lot of different points of view, but uh, we're, we're going to preview that a little bit today with... Uh, James Reston coming up in just a minute, and just under a minute, I guess. And um, our conversation a little bit later during the second hour of our three-hour tour, Karen Greenberg, the author of Subtle Tools. A lot of people will be trying to remember where they were. I was at work that day and got a phone call from uh, my wife at the time, who was also at work, but they had a TV on and saw what was unfolding at during that 9 o'clock hour on uh, September 11th, 20 years ago. And so at my place of business, we turned on a television and we watched as millions of Americans watched as the uh, Twin Towers of the World Trade Center collapsed and uh, found out that there were other planes involved and that it was much bigger than a plane crashing into a building. It was a, a huge deal. Anyway, um, James Reston is coming up next. Don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, while we're looking to tomorrow as the um, 20th uh, anniversary of the attack on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, um, on September 11th, 2001, it is the 20th anniversary tomorrow. A uh, new book is out by my uh, next guest, who has written 18 books, including his uh, new novel of 9-11 called The 19th Hijacker. He also wrote a uh, very interesting piece for American Heritage uh, just recently, uh, Remembering Flight 93, Okay, Let's Roll, those famous words from that plane that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. His name is James Reston, and he joins me by phone. James, welcome to the show. My great pleasure. Um, let me ask you about this, uh, about the book, The 19th Hijacker, and and uh, this article, which focuses on the plane that went down in Pennsylvania, there was a lot of speculation 
in the in the days immediately following September 11th, 2001, speculating that the um, the plane that went down in Pennsylvania might have been targeting the White House. Yet, in your article in American Heritage, you point out that um, it, that it was obviously the Capitol. Uh, purely by logistics and the skill of the pilot. Um, is there other evidence that indicates that was definitely the target of Flight 93? Not absolutely definitively evidence, um, because, of course, that that plane was swallowed up by the mud of Shanksville and uh, it completely destroyed, of course, so... Um, so one couldn't find the flight data recorder, for example, to indicate that uh, what the waypoints uh, were that were put into the system by the hijacker pilot. But it's overwhelmingly uh, the case that the Capitol was, uh, was the target for, for two of the reasons that you just mentioned, that if you can imagine that... Um, well, when, you, the plane, James, you, when the plane was uh, was hijacked over Ohio, that it was basically put on autopilot towards Washington and probably the the coordinates of Reagan Airport. So, if you're coming screaming in over uh, Reagan Airport at 440 miles an hour, the White House would be pretty hard for the most skilled of all pilots to find out where it was in a split second that was. Uh, that was needed, whereas the capital itself is perched up there, uh, obvious. So, and as the symbol of American democracy. So, yes, I think it's absolutely definitive that the capital was the target. Yeah, you described the White House as a, a needle in a haystack of tall buildings. Yes. Well, this this pilot was not in any position to make any quick, spontaneous adjustment as he was coming in at 400 miles an hour, if he had gotten that far. But he didn't, thank, thank goodness. And in your uh, American Heritage article, and I apologize, I have not had a chance to read the 19th Hijacker, um, but in the, uh, in the American Heritage article, you talk about... Um, Accidents of history that combined to save the U.S. Capitol from complete destruction. Um, is and, and I'm not even sure exactly how to, how to ask this, but um, but what led you to piece together this chain of? Um, accidents that that led yes. to that plane going down in Pennsylvania. Yes, well I, I you know I spelled, spent an enormous amount of time on the actual case which is um, uh, thanks to you we're talking about the American Heritage article where I make this case. Um, that plane flight 93 left 25 minutes after it was supposed to leave. And the whole plot from the Al-Qaeda standpoint was that all four of these planes would take off at the same time, get hijacked quickly, and hit their targets at about the same time. Uh, by virtue of the fact that the Flight 93 was delayed in Newark Airport by 25 minutes or so, 
meant that once it was was hijacked, there was 20 or 25 minutes or so for the passengers themselves to to try to realize what had happened. And they got on their cell phones and they found out from their loved ones that the Pentagon and the uh, World Trade Centers had been had been hit. So they knew that they were part of this overall plot and that, 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 that this was not going to end well. So that made it possible for the passengers to get together to decide what they were to do, and they decided to act and storm storm the cockpit. So that's it. the fact that it was late. Uh, in taking off, the fact that it was late in being hijacked compared to the other three planes are accidents. Had it had it left on time, had it been quickly uh, hijacked and then pointed towards the U.S. Capitol, uh, the Capitol would have been destroyed. Was the the um, delay in taking over the plane? Partly a staffing issue by the hijackers. They were actually short a man on their team. Yes, that's another accident. Uh, all of the other three planes had five terrorists on on board, three of which were were meant to uh, control the passengers in the back. For flight ninety three, the fifth uh, hijacker was actually de- detained in uh, Florida when he flew in from Dubai and he was apprehended and sent back to Dubai. So so Flight 93 was one hijacker short, one short for the control of the passengers. And that's another accident of history. Had they had three, maybe they would have been able to control the attack of the passengers. Who knows? So we can't know exactly uh, what what happened, but... but uh, we can, in, in really going deeply into the details of this flight, uh, have a pretty exact idea of what happened. James, you also, um, and, and I, I think you're speculating, but maybe you can clear that up for me, that the pilots got into um, a, a bit of a, a, a rift when the passengers were trying to breach the cockpit. Is it your contention, it seems to be in the uh, American uh, Heritage article, that the pilots ultimately decided to crash the plane before the the cockpit was breached? Yes, I think there is, it's clear from the tape recording itself that we have of the last uh, minutes of Flight 93 that there was a contention, there was a rift between the two in the cockpit, the uh, the hijacker uh, pilot and his minder, in effect. And there seems to be a bit of uh, not only disagreement, but maybe even a struggle between the two as to whether to put the thing down. And it's in really focusing on the exact words and the sounds of that thing. I I have concluded that um, it's probably the case that the hijacker pilot himself, his name was Ziad Jarrah, that the control of the plane was taken over by his minder and the joystick was just pushed down by the minder as opposed to the uh, the pilot. More about Flight 93 that crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania in our commemoration of the 20th anniversary of September 11th with author James Reston, Jr., 
straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about Flight 93 that crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania in our commemoration of the 20th anniversary of September 11th with author James Reston Jr. straight ahead. You make a case in your um, article that, um, that, that that pilot, that the minder was there because there was concern by the, the group planning the attack. That's right that he would get cold feet. Yes, and I I think he didn't get cold cold feet. Uh the um what you're talking about is that this the Shanksville pilot uh nearly pulled out of the operation a month before 9/11 because of a romantic relationship of with a woman in uh in Germany. Uh, and so he was very much in conflict about the mission itself, had a choice between, you know, uh, bailing out and fleeing with his lover or uh, going forward with the mission. And I, I think he just didn't have the courage to bail uh, to bail out. So uh, Al-Qaeda was very, very concerned about uh, that guy, Ziadra, and uh, had in fact, a, uh, a backup pilot in, in training if the Adra had actually pulled out. And and they had someone who was his designated minder. Did did the other teams um, on the planes that, that hit the uh, World Trade Center and the Pentagon, did, they, did those pilots have backups on board in the same way that Flight 93 did? Not that we know of, not that we know of, and we know very, very little about about what happened in those uh, in those planes, in the three planes that actually hit their targets. We just don't don't have the uh, the information. the The important thing to remember is that that um, the guy for the Shanksville plane was really uh, not the brightest guy around, and he. Um, I think it's inconceivable that he would have had the the skill that, for example, the uh, pilot for the plane that hit the Pentagon had. In that case, uh, the plane came in too high, and the hijacker pilot had to make an immediate spontaneous adjustment of going, going circling back over Alexandria to come in lower in order to hit the Pentagon itself. So the Pentagon hijacker was by far the most skilled, and the Shanksville pilot was probably the least skilled of the four. If the if Flight 93, the one that crashed in Pennsylvania, had reached its target, had hit the Capitol, um, and and this is probably anybody's guess, James, but what's what's your guess on how things would have been different uh, following? September 11th, 2001, uh, if the Capitol had been... Uh, destroyed. Well, and, yeah, destroyed, yeah. Uh, depending yeah. on where it was hit. That's right. So it's almost unimaginable to try to imagine how much worse 9-11 would have been if 
uh, Flight 93 had been successful in its uh, in its mission. Uh, you, uh, you you know, hundreds, if not a few thousand people, would have been killed. Amongst them, lawmakers. Uh, how America, America, the American government would have been able to function in the weeks and months after uh, after that uh, destruction. And then beyond that, the years of uh, of having this temple of our democracy a total ruin as a backdrop for any sort of political discourse that uh, went on be- between Democrats and Republicans is just uh, just almost un- uh, unima- unimaginable. But what I have pointed out is that America came into a very very close call to have all of that happen. That certainly would have circumvented the events of January 6th of this year. Um, But might it have um, had a a more unifying effect on the kind of divisions that we see? And and again, this is pure speculation, James. Well, I think the divisions would have been uh, more intense, certainly. I don't think it would have changed anything in the immediate aftermath. Uh, I think um, President Bush would have gone forward as he did with uh, first the attempt to apprehend Osama bin Laden in the mountains of Afghanistan, then probably as he did to, um, uh, to decide that all of Afghanistan had to be essentially occupied over the years by kicking out the Taliban and then eventually that led to the to the invasion of Iraq so there was a series of of revenge um, uh, revenge actions by the United States government in the aftermath of uh, uh, of the attacks on 9/11 but I, I can't imagine even though it would have been infinitely worse if the capital had been hit that I can't imagine that anything more that the United States would have done by way of retribution. If if the pilot from Flight 93, uh, did I get this right, that he was the only non-Saudi? That's correct. He was... Um, he was a Lebanese from a very fine middle middle class family in Beirut. So he was unique for that reason, as well as being unique for in this romantic relationship. You, you have to understand that that all those Al Qaeda people uh, were supposed to completely sever any relationship with their loved ones, with their families, certainly with any romantic thing. And and the Shanksil pilot was. <clears throat> the sole ex- exception of ke- keeping this uh, this romantic relationship going, and that, of course, gave put him into conflict with the uh, the mission and made him suspect from the Al Qaeda standpoint. It, I I can't help wondering why Saudi wasn't more focused on in in the reaction to that event. Well, as as you may have read in the news, um, President Biden has decided that the remaining classified documents relating to the attack itself uh, are going to be released. He's going to be endeavor to release that. The, 
the survivor, the the families of the of the dead ones in um, well, in all four attacks, have have strongly urged that these documents relating to the Saudi Arabian uh, government and the attacks be released, as to whether there was actually. Uh, some sort of complicity on the part of um, Saudi Arabian government officials in the plot itself. Uh, we'll see whether there is anything in those documents to suggest that being the case. Um, uh, I rather doubt that uh, they will prove that, but we'll just have to see. James, are you in favor of those documents being released? Certainly. Absolutely, I am, and and um, you know there are a lot of documents that are still classified, uh, including all the documents relating to the perpetrators, the nineteen hijackers. All of that material remains classified because of these ongoing uh, legal proceedings in Guantanamo Bay against uh, the mastermind of nine eleven, Sheikh uh, uh, Khalid Mohammed. Uh, that um, I think all of those those uh, documents should should be released. I think it's an outrage that they're still uh, <laughs> held secret because we don't know a hundred percent about everything that uh, that happened so far as the uh, the planning of the plot is concerned. Now, th- this uh, book that you have coming out, the the new book, and and I'm not sure when it's. I, I'm looking at my notes, and I don't see a release date. Is it already? Yeah, well, it's been out for a couple of months. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's The 19th Hijacker, a novel of 9-11. Is this a traditional uh, historic novel where um, there's a lot of license taken, or is it fairly documentary? Well, both of those things are t- are true. Both its documentary and license is taken. Uh, a historical n- a novel, by definition, a good one, uh, requires that the historical novelist do every possible bit of historical research that he or she can do um, before launching into the realm of imagination. So one hopes when you write a historical novel that um, the reader will will read it and and have a sense of authenticity that has have it, had a sense of reality that would say to himself, you know, well, it very well could have happened this way. In this particular case, since uh, all of these perpetrators are dead, and because we need to know what motivated them uh, in this attack, if we're really going to protect ourselves from others like them, uh, it had to be a matter of speculation about what, how they were recruited and uh, how they got sucked into this, this whole uh, diabolical plot. That's important for us to try to understand if we're going to protect us from, uh, from others. And, and the title of the book is The 19th Hijacker. Um, and, and I read something that, or heard something that indicated there might have been a 20th hijacker that just didn't make it uh, to right. his assigned duties. Um, who do you consider the 19th hijacker, and, and who was the 20th, and what happened to them? The 19th is the 
uh, is the pilot uh, who took the plane down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Okay, flight ninety. Uh, the twentieth, the twentieth now resides in Guantanamo Bay. He was apprehended as he came in to join the mission in August of two thousand and one and found to be suspect and was turned around and sent back to Dubai. Uh, But he was then, several months later, he was apprehended in conflict in Afghanistan and ultimately turned over to the Americans, and he has resided ever since in Guantanamo Bay. That's where the so-called 20th is. And wasn't there, um, is is he then the one, um, there was only one that, was apprehended and, and charged and tried uh, for this particular crime? No, that's a separate uh, question. That is the is the so-called backup that we've discussed before. Okay. Uh, and his name was Zacharias Musawi. Uh, he's the doofus that was training in um, in Minnesota and proclaimed that all he wanted to do was learn how to fly an airplane. He didn't care about how to learn how to uh, land it. And that raised enormous suspicions, uh, and that information was given to the FBI, and he was eventually arrested. He's the only one in the overall 9-11 plot who was tried in United States uh, federal court. He was convicted and escaped the death penalty by only the vote of one juror. And that person resides in a maximum uh, security prison in Colorado. In the... Now, the the 20th anniversary is uh, is tomorrow, and do you think that the, the president was moved to release these documents by people that asked him not to come to ground zero if he didn't uh i don't uh, i don't think he was under pressure um the it's certainly a heartfelt sentiment on the part of the um the family members to want every last uh piece of evidence about this plot to be released. Uh, I think it's a bit of um, rhetoric that they uh, say he shouldn't come to Shanksville to, uh, tomorrow. I don't know that there's any plans that he would go <clears throat> to Shanksville. I haven't heard what he plans to do tomorrow. Uh, but that that comes out of the deep grief and, and anger of um, family members. But it has a... Um, a very legitimate argument that we we need to have these documents, and it sounds like uh, Biden is endeavoring to to release them. Of course, um, I happen to know from having been in Army intelligence that uh, there is something called sources and methods that uh, often becomes the pretext for classifying documents, and it it may be that those documents, in some way or another, Re, uh, reveal how the United States gathered intelligence from the Saudi government, and um, that may be something that uh, that uh, the intelligence community just doesn't want to have revealed. Yeah, we we uh, learned a little bit about that in the Mueller report. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I 
James, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if you read the report, um, but I, I did, and I'm not sure if I'm one of the few people who did, but, um, it was, uh, what, what were your impressions of the Mueller report? Well, the ultimate, um, the ultimate question for me of the Mueller report was whether or not um, uh, President Donald Trump should be uh, should be charged with a criminal act uh, in relation to um, to what they were investi- you know, what they were investigating there, and it was left open to the courts and to uh, to Congress to uh, to make that judgment. And I think that was that was too bad. I think that uh, uh, Mueller should have should have been should have gone to the ultimate conclusion from what his evidence revealed that uh, President Trump should have been charged criminally. So that's that's my um, uh, that's my reaction to that report. In in the wake of the attack on September 11, 2001, um, there were changes recommended in national intelligence gathering there was the creation of homeland security and ultimately uh, tsa and and these other things and and recommendations about how they should communicate with each other and and so on um but a lot of people are concerned that that the creation of those agencies and then ultimately the patriot act um, has turned not so much to investigating threats from abroad, but threats at home and, and um, homegrown terrorism. Um, are you concerned about uh, about privacy the way some are? Uh, certainly, I'm. I'm concerned about it. Um, just the whole concept of homeland security doesn't. Uh, doesn't imply that it's it's only directed towards abroad. I mean, we to, to keep our um, our country safe, we need to we need to protect ourselves from domestic terrorists uh, as well as foreign terrorists. Um, of course, there are important privacy questions in, involved in this sort of thing, and it becomes a balance between privacy and and uh, and protection and, you know, the, the uh, invoking of criminal statutes and so forth. So, so the, I think this, the laws are very well set up, uh, both to investigate and, if needed, to, to charge criminal acts by domestic terrorists, at the same time that those charged have the right to um, make their cases in court, including um, on questions of privacy. So, so we have a system to sort that kind of, kind of thing out, but our United States Capitol was ransacked in an almost medieval attack on it. Um, the difference between January 6th and 9-11 had Flight 93 destroyed the U.S. Capitol. It would have been years to recover from that. In the January 6th thing, after the ransacking, uh, Congress reconvened five or six hours later and 
and certified the election so the government continued to function. So that's a, a fundamental difference between those two episodes. Now, I know uh, we still haven't really fully commemorated the 20th anniversary of uh, September 11th, and you will be, I'm sure, doing a lot of these uh, interviews relative to your book and to this uh, American Heritage article. But um, but what's next for you, James? Well, this has been an unusual experience for me. I... Um, uh, ten years ago, I was coming off my having published my fourth book about uh, episodes in medieval history of the clash of Christianity and Islam between the Middle East and Europe and America and so forth. And I was looking for a a situation where I could use that historical knowledge in a in a present day case, and that's what. Um, what attracted me into the story of of 9/11 and specifically the case of the flight 93 um it, that is just from a storyteller standpoint um i think by far the most fascinating of the of the four hijackings because of who the hijackers were but also and what their target was but also this heroic uh response of the of the passengers to try to take the plane over in my view it's um it's uh, perhaps the most heroic uh effort by ordinary american citizens in all of american history um, having done all of this, I'm eager to recede back into history, and <laughs> I have ri- I have written another book uh, during the COVID year in uh, where I was sequestered in my cabin in the mountains uh, of a 13th century Holy Roman Emperor. So I'm receding back into medieval history now. That's you know that's the classic image people have of writers you know being sequestered in a cabin somewhere and comes yeah. out at the end with uh, the great American novel. But uh, James, it's been a real honor and a privilege to talk with you, and thank you so much for spending this time with me. I uh, always like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can go to find out more about you and your work past present and future james do you have a website i do um there's um something called restonbooks.com that that is is the repository for really all of my work over the last uh, 50 years and there's a wikipedia page that's uh, pretty um uh, is a pretty good thumbnail of the the whole thing. And the book itself, of course, can be uh, gotten through Barnes and Noble and uh, Amazon. So I'm out there. Anybody who wants to, as they say on the radio, learn more by going so and so. Those those are the places one goes. All right. Well, James, thank you so much, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for your interest. Take care. Again, that was uh, James Reston. Uh, he's the author of a new book called The 19th Hijacker, a novel of 9-11. And he just uh, recently wrote um, a very interesting article for American Heritage um, that's titled Remembering Flight 93, Okay, 
Let's Roll. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight <music> Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. 
The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
be shine And though the holes were rather small I had to count them all Now they know how many holes it takes to fill over Heaven with you when you find romance. 
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs> 